0: Hey Brad. Yes. Do you know how we fund the program going off track?
1: I know exactly how we fund it. There's one source of income for us and that is patreon.com slash going off track where our loving patrons give us money and we give them bonuses.
0: Patreon. Stop making up words. (laughs) It's a great place. We do a weekly Thursday night fireside chat. Brad takes all the embarrassing things I say in podcasts that he doesn't put into podcasts and puts it on the Patreon. Funny pictures of Brad in the 90s, usually naked or wearing a wristband. Please sign up. Brad, what's the address?
1: Patreon.com slash going off track.
0: Nice, Brad. (laughs) That was really good how you got us into this. Hey, man. Sometimes I just sit back and I go, man, thank goodness I just do this with such a professional. I'm your pilot.
1: <laughs> this is your pilot speaking. We will be podcasting today at 3,000 feet.
0: What am I, the court jester who runs up and down the aisle? You're the
1: entertainment.
0: <laughs> in flight. I'm the in flight entertainment. Do you, know, do you know that,
1: like, I. um. Back, when did Virgin launch? Like early 90s, right? Virgin Airlines?
0: Sounds right. They I didn't ha- fly until 1999.
1: You could fly. You could fly if you were like a, you know, if you were a singer songwriter, they would put you on the plane and you would play like a a short set, like a 45 minute set. <laughs> Wait, really? And fly for free, yeah. No shit.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could be in-flight entertainment? Like, I'm yeah. assuming, what, just acoustic or like... yeah. Pan flute people, or yeah. Something? <laughs> I never knew
1: anybody that did it, but I came so close to trying to do it because I was, you know, I was in New York at that time playing, and um, wow, it seemed awesome.
0: Now I'm just imagining how many guitar players I've watched try to get their guitars on flights <laughs> and like do all this crazy shit. Like, oh, this is gonna be okay, right? That you're taking my most prized possession and shoving it underneath this plane. No, been- and it makes me think of Billy Idol. And Adam Sandler at the end of the wedding singer, of course, wait what um, happens? I remember like he he needs he wants to play her the song, and inexplicably Billy Idol is oh, just right. on the airplane and hands Adam <laughs> Sandler a guitar right, 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 right. you know it's a classic Sandler it's been, style it's been a while that's might be my favorite <laughs> Sandler movie. I quite like that one um even Zohan is a little underrated but <laughs> So this morning, Brad, I took my children to the uh, SS New Jersey, the battleship. Oh, really? Where's it docked? It's in Camden. Okay. You know, beautiful Camden, New Jersey. Oh, Oscar would uh, love that, man. I believe murder capital of the world a couple, couple years. Not world, America. Right. A couple years in a row there. Um, you know, the the state police literally had to come in and take over the Camden police. That happened like eight years because murder was out of out of (laughs) hand i just don't think they could trust anyone (laughs) at that point (laughs) but so i went through that classic thing where i'm like i'm having a good time like it's cool this is like a cool thing to see you know my my son is fascinated by it it's got all this you know stuff and and i'm but i'm there and i can't help again like just sit there and i'm like fuck like am i just like promoting like War am I promoting violence by bringing you here or by explaining what these people actually had to do and how they had to live and the awful things that happened? does that give you a a real sense of war and you'd be more against it you know yeah like like where where does a where's a punk rocker draw the line here with like the global military industrial complex that I just helped feed that morning, <laughs> you know
1: I mean, I assume that was a World War II battleship, right? It was. So, it was. I mean, it was good. It was good versus evil, my friend.
0: Oh, so anything that's World War II <laughs> yeah. as part of the industrial complex is safe. But if it was Vietnam, Korea, yeah. Gulf War, then that's bullshit. Well, the
1: military industrial complex really didn't start until Vietnam. Like, it didn't actually exist. It mm. wasn't. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are people making money off war, but like. It didn't become a like, hey, we can make billions of dollars and like manipulate the government to, you know, that was, you know, it was Eisenhower came back from the war and kind of saw that happening in the 60s.
0: Well, let me ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm going to this thing. is the motive. (laughs) Is the motive of it being there? Is it to really like memorialize what happened, the people involved, the interesting things about the ship and technology, or is it just propaganda? Is it just, this is a cool thing for you to do. Here's some money. We're going to, you know, let you mess around with, with guns and turrets and like all this scary, horrible stuff people had to use and make you think it's like, okay and cool. Like, which one is it, you know? Uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, that's a good question, but it's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a fucking battleship? That's cool,
0: Yeah, fucking cool. It's Uh, funny he brought up, Adam brought up the cave thing, too. Right. (coughs) Because I think we discussed in the Brad Clifford episode, like, I couldn't go to the catacombs in France because it's terrifying, and I don't want to be, like, stuck behind, like, you know, a a tourist having a panic attack, that which will cause me to have a panic attack because I can't get out. And I, I honestly got that feeling a little bit today when I'm like in the bowels of this ship,
1: you know, uh. ducking
0: through these doors and where the people slept. And mm. I, I don't know how to get out. I don't know how much longer it is. My daughter is a little weird. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm starting to feel a little claustrophobic. I am dying to find an exit right now. And like, it's
1: all steel. Yeah, dude. <laughs> You're not like, getting
0: through that wall. <laughs> That shit's pretty gnarly, man. For yeah. real. Like you get that real quick sense of like what it must have been like. But the real fascinating thing, we can even post the picture on the Patreon and stuff. The bunks in this thing. I mean, I didn't know that that touring buses uh, <laughs> stole their design style from, <laughs> you know, 1940s battleships. Right. <laughs> but I have slept in the exact same situation as these guys <laughs> did for months and months on end. That's a fact. I can't believe that technology hasn't gone farther than just <laughs> stacking three bodies on top of each other in a tiny, tiny space, right. you know?
1: I mean, the battleship, they probably, like, they might have had their own bunk. But, I mean, like, the thing that I can't ma- figure yeah. out is <clears throat> those uh, the subs from back then when they actually oh, had to, like, take oh shifts God. and share bunks because there's just no room. Dude horrifying
0: Thank I mean there's even like one spot in that ship which just like I'm like why are there a bunch of like weird giant planks of wood right here and then the sign says in case of an emergency these guys used to keep giant planks of wood around to try to like patch holes <laughs> and I'm like oh my God Jesus Christ like like they're in this like you know, (laughs) just locked in, like you said, steel door situation (laughs) and there's water and they just have some planks of wood. Yeah. Ah, It seems very
1: primitive. And it 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 is. is.
0: I mean, but it's one of those things. I I do leave those situations often reaffirming the fact that I certainly don't blame soldiers and empathize with soldiers, you know, like, like when I see the conditions that people willingly put themselves through to go do something that you may or may not even believe in it really is like it's fascinating you know the 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 aspects of it but i'd love to hear people's thoughts on it cuz i'm truly confused with stuff like this you know i want to i want to have a broad education for my children i don't want just this like bubbled life for them where you're just learning about other stuff from movies or what other people told you or books like I think one of the most valuable things I ever did in life was being a born and bred New York, New Jersey liberal who got out and have slept on a fucking couch in like 48 states in America. Right? I didn't just go to these places. I stayed with people. I slept in their homes. I had various conversations that were not easy to have. (laughs) And it helped me a lot in a lot of different ways, you know, um, And I kind of, I want to be able to give some version of that. And I don't want to like have them totally shut off. But also this idea of like feeding them things that I know could be negative. I wasn't allowed to have guns as a kid. Yeah, I wasn't even allowed to have a water gun. I wasn't allowed to watch G.I. Joe. You know what I mean? All of these things like, and yeah, I'm like a bit of a pacifist now, I think, you know, but I don't know if it was the best thing to do because the second when I was like fourteen and someone let me hold a handgun and do that shit, I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, let me try," <laughs> you know? Because yeah. like they were still cool and mystical to me and like this thing, and I didn't really truly realize their power and stuff. You yeah, it know? could so,
1: back it could backfire. You could, um, could yes, guns can
0: know. backfire. It's true. <laughs> but <laughs> but um bum bum bum. But anyway, it's so much fun to talk to Adam. Yeah. I love Murder by Death. I have, since the first time I heard them, I was like, oh, what's this? Because they're so unique. Um, you know, it's always rooted in, like, rock. You can hear the fact that they're rock fans, indie rock fans, even punk rock fans. But, like I said, towards the end of the interview, everything just always sounds like Murder by Death. And they were able to kind of hone in on not just the sound, but the aesthetic and the whole feel behind it, like pretty early on and stay super consistent. And now after 20 years, it's just one of those mainstay bands that if anybody does anything remotely like that, they're just fucking biting for murder by death, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's a great position to be in. Like they could have a career that lasts forever, you know?
1: Yeah. They've definitely
0: got a vibe. They have a thick vibe for sure. And as we discovered, Fourth longest musical couple <laughs> in rock and roll history, I think. I'd love, I'd love to hear. I'm, I'm sure I missed some, but dude,
1: it's pretty amazing you can come up with that stuff. I gotta say, pretty impressive. Here's to you, Benny.
0: Oh, thanks. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 and I, and I didn't count it because it wasn't original. But two members of Depeche Mode are married. Uh huh. Which I didn't know. I did not know that. But anyway. Great group, Adams. A uh, a great conversation. He's a fun person to talk to on on tour or on a podcast. So uh, please chime in and let me know if I'm ruining my children uh, by taking them to warships. Also, please uh, you know review or rate the program if you like it. Join the Patreon. Do that shit because we are uh, funding ourselves the same way Murder by Death does. By, by our lonesome. Hell yeah. Uh, well, anyway, let's get into the interview, shall we? Do it. Play the train. It's going on.
1: We are talking about uh, Louisville and where do you live when you're on the road all the time?
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're down there now, huh? Yeah, seven years now. Sarah's yeah. from here.
2: So right. we uh, we moved to be closer to her family.
0: Is it, uh, do you say it like L- Louisville now?
2: Louisville, yeah. I, you know, I always did, though, because everybody made <laughs> such a big stink about it. <laughs> like, I know.
0: It's just like, okay, if that's what you all call it, it's fine. <laughs> I know. I always feel so bad for, like like, when a tourist is in New York. And they're like, oh, excuse me, could you tell me how to get to Greenwich Village? <laughs> and I'm like, listen, if you spell the fucking thing, it looks like Greenwich. Like, yep. how are they supposed to know it's Greenwich?
2: I know. I, I just don't give a fuck about that stuff. It's like, like I don't care. Like, I'm not going to get offended if somebody calls something yeah. a little off.
0: Like, listen, guy, I'm not from Louisville, all right? Yeah. <laughs> this is not my... I like... Uh, and And it's funny, you know, within... I don't know, they're probably like three hours away from each other. Newark, New Jersey and Newark, Delaware. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're from Newark, New Jersey, you basically say NURK, like N-U-R-K. I love it. And if you're from Delaware, you have to say Newark. Really? I was wondering yeah. if there was any, yeah. So it's some weird, weird distinction there. But you can't really, I mean, Delaware,
1: that accent goes all over the place, man. <laughs> what the
0: fuck is a delaware
2: accent i mean That's that like thing?
1: baltimore accent
2: the baltimore one is my favorite yeah yeah it's
1: insane that one's funny and literally the, fir- Road. the first time i heard it i thought the <laughs> yeah. guy was fucking with me for real i really did. We did
2: a record uh we did a record we recorded in 2005 with uh jay robbins and oh, nice. uh he we had a great time we were out there for a long time like living in this like shitty old hotel there fuck and yeah. uh I remember he, he's saying the best word, the best way to do a Baltimore impersonation is to say, Hey, do you want to go down to Joppa Road? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, Oh yeah. So the, I always, whenever I'm trying to like identify, well, what is it? It sounds kind of like a California surfer, right. but it's also kind of East, you know, it's got an East coast thing. Yeah. It's a really, it's one of the more like unique ones. Oh, it's so unique. Definitely.
0: It's so unique. I feel yeah. like I used to have it down and then the wire kind of met like like listening to like McNulty yeah. who I think is British and real yeah. life. Yes, yes,
2: English. Yeah, yeah. I to
0: pretend to do that. Uh, yeah, it threw me off like now now, like, McNulty is the Baltimore accent to me. <laughs> yeah, it probably shouldn't be. I got to yeah. travel down there more again.
2: They did. You know, I just finally watched The Wire, and they actually, they got a bunch of Baltimore people on there, and there's this one guy who's a cop on the show, and he's just sort of, like, on the administrative side in the offices, right. and he has, like, the one. Like, he was, like, my anchor. Do you remember
0: under- which dude on The Wire? He, I've been re-watching some. Lately. Okay, so he's, like, a
2: small character. He's just sort of, like, a slight guy, maybe, like... 50 years old with like a must a blonde mustache white guy black guy white guy and uh okay and he has this like just really awesome accent you know his job is to basically like okay guys let's get the meeting going and like you know (laughs) like and
0: but it's whenever he talks it's just like yeah there it is (laughs) while while sipping on a natty bow i forget in season two did those like white like uh Doc guys, did they have I feel like they didn't have real Baltimore accents.
2: Uh, you know, the and they the should've. young guy, the one who's like the troublemaker, I think Swiggy. he's from Baltimore. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. that season almost lost me. I almost stopped watching the wire like halfway through that season. Really? And then you break you break like episode five or six and you start to get the connections. That's when the wire sure. got super good to me, was like midway season two. I loved it. I never
2: saw it before, and I just, I just really enjoyed. And then I watched Tremay after. I thought it was fantastic. Ooh, yeah.
0: nice. Yeah. So how do you, um, how do you find Louisville compared to, <laughs> how do you find Louisville compared to, <laughs> well, compared to the rest of America?
2: Uh, you know, it's been an interesting thing because when we moved here, there was so much hype around the city, like at least in the Midwest, talking like, oh, this is gonna be like the next like big like hot spot and there's so many young people moving here oh really and so there's a lot of hype to live up to and so many of our friends were coming down from bloomington indiana where we lived for so long went to college and, and because there's just better job opportunities and you know some of it has been true and there's things i absolutely love about the city and then there's stuff that's uh you know it's like oh that was that was marketing and that was hype and <laughs> right, you know right, there's right. there's stuff that i wish that would you know, there's stuff that I wish would be moving forward a little faster. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I love, I love my home. I love my setup here. Know a lot of great people. And you know, we have, we opened a restaurant here, uh, four years ago. Okay. Um, Pizza Lupo and, uh, it's been, you know, we're, we're settled here and it's a great place too. And we go out into the world and go touring and everything. It's a great place to come back to. I uh, feel
0: like there's a but. Yeah, i just like no but <laughs> i just
2: wish it was like i wish it would just like uh modernizing a little faster in certain ways Um uh, mm. i just like, I've seen, like
0: culturally or physically i think culturally yeah okay. i mean
2: i've just seen a lot of cities that i think have shared moments like Asheville or um mm. you know or like an austin where there's like oh okay i could see like it pushing a little bit in this direction sure I mean, a in a smaller Midwest Southern kind of vibe, but
0: you're
2: just kind of curious to see like what, what is successful and what's not successful here. I mean, Mm. we have our biggest problem here is uh, uh, income inequality and it just, it kind of puts its stink on everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Have you been like uh, active in any way? Like now that you're a business owner there and stuff trying to get, are you trying to get involved politically or just kind of, doing what you can as a citizen yeah we do a lot of
2: like charity work through the band and through the restaurant of uh, just fundraising for things we believe in um you know there's a uh, major segregation problems in our in our city uh, there's you know one of those like literal lines of divide where like really? you know, they just you know <laughs> put all the black people and then essentially uh, created these ghettos intentionally. Um, and, uh, so like, you know, we're trying to, we've been, you know, we do fundraising for an organization that's trying to like, you know, put grocery stores in that neighborhood and like, just stuff like that, where it's, you know, it's just stuff that's good for the city. And we try to support, um, as much as we can and get, you know, we, we're not very, um, we're not very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't want to be like uh, the person who's like putting my face like I'm this guy standing up for this. It's like, I just want, I just want action based help where it's like, Hey, we're raising money for this. Can you contribute? Thank you. Moving on. You know, <laughs> it's like, I just want like real, like this much money didn't exist for this resource. Now let's put that money there. And, uh, and, you know, some people are really good at being like a figurehead or like a, a, a face that's like the last thing in the world that we want. <laughs> you got uh, a great face, though. We don't even like being photographed for the band. Like, yeah, right? not, yeah. Like, I'm not going to post pictures of <laughs> yeah. myself, like with like a big sign, or you know, I just not, sure, sure, it's not for me.
0: Yeah, I get that. Maybe you should create like a you know Monopoly style like altruistic character to do your charity work. <laughs> oh like, my I, god! I, I was I just thinking have the mustache. about yeah, you have that. Like, there's so <laughs> many options hit. for costuming. <laughs> Um, Oh my God. Because the other day, like just this last week, I randomly ran into like three or four conversations with people talking about basically how TikTok is important. Oh, yeah. And how all this social media elements of being in a band right now are important. And that, I mean, I'm being told that like music and songs are only like halfway what you need to do now. And I would argue
2: that it's like. I was had this conversation yesterday and I made the argument that I think that content any form of content regardless of quality yeah is like 90% of what is people are interested in now like I think you could huh. I think there are people who are just so good at content and so good at the internet yeah that um they have like legions of followers just because they're like exceptional at that side of it. And right. like people might not even be that aware of what their art is actually. Like what their, the art, what I would actually say is like their actual content, you know, they're really good at the marketing, but uh, I think the fans are like more interested in the marketing than the content.
0: Now, you know? Do you think like, cause I made the argument this week against, you know, cause of course I'm like a Luddite who just turned 40. So I'm yeah, like, I don't want to <laughs> do this. Um, but, you know, I've been trying to find, like, uh, the balance to these yeah. things. And one of the things that I brought up was, like, listen, like, you can do all this stuff, but it has to leak back to the art. Yes. It has to leak back to the music. It has to be based on some bedrock. But you're telling me that's not necessarily the case, huh? That's what I believe for myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what you're saying. I agree. I agree with you. And that's how
2: I I choose to live in a way where it's like, I understand the Incredibles tool that the internet is, and it has brought me a lot of, uh, you know, success or, and things that I'm grateful for. But also, it's a fucking nightmare. And if I could flip a switch and just never have to post on social media again, I would absolutely do it. Yeah. If it didn't, you know, change my ability to create art. And um, that being said, I think that the future and even the current is not about balance. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> right. it's about endless content creation and feeding the monster. Uh, yeah. And like every young person I talk to uh, feels like that is, that's just like what you do. And that, and like almost that the creating the, the marketing is the activity is the art. Right. And I right. don't totally disagree with that. It's just not the way that I was brought up and, you know, in the sense of, in my understanding of culture. Now,
0: um, when, when they say that, like, like besides for, I mean, I guess I can see some artistic ability in like creating these videos. Oh yeah. I think Putting so. music to it and doing it a nice way. Sure. Like that can be artful. Anything past that that they consider art or artistic is the uh, actual, like the actual use of like language and, Manipulation of people's attention is that like considered artful to them? Probably. I. Wow.
2: I, I mean, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, the I think art the, of
0: the deal, huh? Uh, Jesus. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the guy who wrote that book? Because <laughs> it wasn't I the uh, pre- yeah. <laughs> <don't> president. The <laughs> president. Uh, uh, man. Uh, anyway, yeah. The. Uh, I I think that it's just a different way of. I mean those. The people who feel that way, I think, are truly engaging with our times. Right, and you know, I, I think a lot of people see like um, social uh, imaging as being like you know cu- you're curating a persona. Yeah, um, there is art to that. You know, I think that's sure. the it's pushing the fashion element of mm, art right. into the forefront and pushing the marketing into the forefront. And I mean, I have to say that like sometimes I'll be watching a show or, you know, observing like a pop star or something and be like, man, like this song, I, you know, take it or leave it. But, uh, or, or even I don't like it. And, but then you see like the whole package and you're like, well, it's undeniable that this person is a star, you know, they have, there's like, they have charisma, they have. So like, so they just pushed, um, the cult of personality, uh, element forward. Hmm. And, um, and you know, I mean, like that's there's a place for all kinds of expression, and yeah, yeah, you know, it's I just I, I have gotten way less uh, opinionated about if something is like good or bad, you know. Sure. I think that's and that's partially a conscious effort, but I still like making you know observations about like, oh, this is this is what it seems like the trend is, or this is what you know.
0: Well, actually, what you said just made me think of something that made me feel a little so self, less self righteous, which was. You're right. Like sometimes you're looking at somebody, and you don't even know what they're doing, but there's just like undeniable charisma, right? Like you're just drawn to that person for whatever reason. Sure, maybe they're attractive, great personality, like just something interesting to say or the way they're saying it. And historically, a person like that would have had to been found, right? Mm -hmm. Like so they would have found them, and then they would have put them through the machine. Yep. You know, they would have put them through the label machine, like, here, this guy's going to dress you, this person's going to make you sound like this, this person's going to do this. And then it's sort of the same outcome. So, you know, the idea that, like, this has always been happening, there's always been this relentless branding and this relentless stuff, but now you're just personally responsible for it.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the big difference is that um, unless you're in a position where you really do have like a social media manager or something, right. the the artist is has basically just taken on some of the what would have been the publicist job back right, in the day. Right. And mm-hmm. so actually, for the people that um, are highly um, visible and you know like much more successful than you or I ever got, like I actually feel more bad for them than anything else because huh. it's so much work, you know, yeah, even, right. even with my, my band that is, you know, like we've been around for a long time and we do well, like I've had a great career, but like, we're not famous and you know, it's not like I'm, uh, getting like, you know, a million requests for stuff all, you know, every day. Um, it's still a lot to manage and more than I would like. Right. And, You know, I like having a conversation like this. This is nice. This is easy. (laughs) But managing, like, social media accounts, like, multiple formats and everything, it's it's not very satisfying. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Even when you're talking to nice people.
0: Of course. Well, what's interesting, too, is, like, I feel, you know, you all have, to me, been almost a pioneering band in the use of the internet and crowdfunding and the... um, the way you've been engaging with your fans for a long time. I think you were even someone who was open to it more, I think, than older people were and at least set some things for yourself. Um,
2: I think that's, yeah, no, I mean, I think like when we did our first Kickstarter, I think all it was is that we were in such an odd position as a band where we never got like that big paycheck or that big deal or anything. We never had a big moment where everybody was like, this is the band. And so we had to basically keep taking on responsibilities on our own. Right. So like it started with like, well, we wanted to put put out vinyl because I love vinyl. So we started doing that. And then I started, you know, dealing with the manufacturers. And then we're like, oh, well, we need to do our own mail order. So I started doing the mail order and then, Eventually, it became this like, oh, well, I guess we're doing the marketing. I guess we're doing the Hmm. dealing directly with the fans. And then it became this Kickstarter thing where it's like, well, people seem to prefer just buying it directly from us. Right. And not everybody, but enough people. And so we started just doing more and more things like that, literally just based on people would write me emails and tell me what they wanted. I'd be like, okay, sure, why not? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. It's like they're telling me what they want, so yeah, yeah. So I would just do it, and um, and I think that because of those conditions that we had created, as we had like more of the rights and more of the literal like product that was, we just started listening to people and, and delivering and uh, just trying to be respectful of uh, the making sure we weren't overcharging people. Right, right. And it was really just coming from that DIY. You know, we came from a indie and punk world. Sure, and it was just like, well, we're used to doing things on our own. Yeah. you know, yeah. I probably booked our first like 400 shows other than a few generous
0: agents who helped us out here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. Now, like after now, you've done this for three albums right now. The,
2: uh, like the crowdfunding stuff. Yeah. We've done four Kickstarters. Oh, okay. and- oh
0: for the holiday one, too.
2: Uh, oh no we did one when the, basically when our 20th anniversary tour got postponed or in, oh, uh, I see. we did one that was like a kind of a broader stroke um but yeah i mean we'll do one for our next record because honestly the people keep asking and right. uh and it's
0: it's worked you know we have a good system we know how to do it and you know so yeah so what is it like after this many times um What type of things are you offering people to kind of come back and and keep this a consistent thing? No, I mean, again, it's that what you said, which is that, um, Hey,
2: let's not forget about the art when we're doing all this marketing. (laughs) And so the main thing that I try to push is, um, really just, uh, the album itself with multiple formats. Um, you know, like here's one for people who really like the artwork because, People like the artists that we hire. So we do right. these like more elaborate pressings. And then, um, you know, we do a lot of concept shows. Um, mm-hmm. We do our Stanley Hotel shows. This year will be the eighth year. Cool. And We do five nights there um, and then at the Shining Hotel. And then mm-hmm. we do these other shows that are, and this will be our, we canceled last year ultimately. Um, right. But then this year will be our third time doing two nights at a, Cumberland Caverns, which is like a underground cavern in yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, I saw that. It's so rad! It's amazing, it's, yeah. that's I think the coolest show I've ever been part of. I um, saw
0: those photos; they're fantastic. Like, it, besides for like something like Red Rocks or something, like I can't think of a cooler visual. You know than what's that.
2: crazy is that we played Red Rocks, and then like a month later, we played the cave show. and We're all like, "Man, the cave show was kind of like crazier." Even yeah. What's the vibe less-
0: of that place? Like, how did you discover it? And and decide you wanted to play a, in a cave. I had,
2: I can't, I think maybe, I heard about it through a friend, I think. And uh, they had been doing some shows down there, but not a lot of like bands. Oh, right. And then, so we just reached out and we set it up and we, it just blew our minds how, it's the best sounding place I've ever played. Like <laughs> every natural
0: note, acoustics there. <laughs> for real,
2: yeah. And wow. uh, I, I will tell you like, We've never sounded better than down there. And cool. uh, I'm sure so Dagan just sounded awesome down there. Thunder drums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, and so we're doing that again uh, Halloween this year.
0: Is and it then, vibeier? Like when you're on stage? Like, oh man. Are you kind of feeling like something different down there? I think so, because
2: like, so you have to walk like a quarter mile through these like cave caverns, and then all of a sudden there's this reveal where you're looking down on the stage. Whoa. And so the audience is like seated on like natural inclines all the way up over you, in like Whoa. in a bowl, essentially. And then, um, there's, and we do like 800 people, so it's not a small show. And, uh, it's a lot of people in a fucking cave. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, And then you have like the people on the floor and, you know, these are people that obviously like have traveled to see you. So they are people who are not just like cursory listeners, they're fans. And -hmm. so they're singing along for every song. And it's just incredible to hear, you know, 800 voices in unison in a cave underground. I mean, it's there's one point, like if you're trying to go, if you go to the bathrooms, you have to duck your head or like. Bend your knees to go under this crazy, like, 20-foot-long uh, lower part of
0: the cave. And then oh you're in the God. bathrooms. And it's like, Whoa. it's it's totally surreal. Yeah. So not for your claustrophobic fans.
2: No. Actually, we had somebody last year who, like, flew from, some like, New York something. Yeah. Started walking in the cave. Was like, nope, and turned ah, around.
0: Wow. And, yeah.
2: And they were like, "It's it's all me. It's not your fault." But yeah. like that was like, it was just too much.
0: Did you say, "Hey, sorry, tickets already bought, pal"? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They actually were like, "I, I don't want a refund because I want Aww. to support you." And well, I feel uh, so bad for that person because that would have been me.
2: You know, I think it was really, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was really
0: sweet of them.
2: And yeah. you know, I think I sent them the poster or something. You know,
0: <laughs> and you don't, know, so you don't like get that feeling when you're in there, like, okay, we're on stage. We're the last ones out of
2: this cave. Well, so, okay, last year there was a flash flood while we oh, were playing. What? And, and, no. and so it's like I said, it's underground, it's 333 feet underground. <laughs> so, uh, they, the, the walkway in front of the cave became a river, <gasps> and we actually had to delay, we couldn't let anyone leave the cave. Oh, the people God. who run the facility didn't want that we wanted to wait out the rain so we just played a longer set to try to keep people like enjoying themselves and then uh we had to like move a picnic table over the river that had formed in front of the cave mouth so people could crawl over it
0: oh my god it was
2: to get like (laughs) and that's the other thing is people camp for this so the campsites were crazy it was a it was it would have been a disaster with a different group of fans, but everybody was like, that was awesome. That was really wild. <laughs> and they loved it. And like, yeah, oh my God. I, I was so impressed with everybody's attitudes.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it trickles down from the top, but that's wild. So you had hundreds of people crawling over this picnic bench out to there. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. That I is mean, crazy. Yeah. And not one person lost their shit. Not that I
2: know of. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're keeping it cool. If they did, <laughs> oh god, I hope not. That's the thing. Is like you know these destination shows are cool, but yeah, I mean, I, I worry a little bit about like you know it's a bit of a adventure. But that's I think that's what I like about it too. For me, is like how many clubs have I played in? You know, it's yeah, like, sure. How many more like black rooms can I? <laughs> yeah, you know, do yeah. a show in.
0: And in reality, like a lot of those black rooms we've played. I would assume statistically are much more dangerous than that cave for a variety of reasons. Yeah, That's probably true. You know, God, who wired that place? Like, sometimes I get to, like, a festival, you know, in another country or something, and I'm looking at the people who set up the stage, then I'm looking at, like, a 5,000-pound truss over my head, and I'm like, ah! That guy with the single dread who's been smoking hash <laughs> all day long is the one who hung that thing. Oh my God. <laughs> like, eh, I don't know about that. You know?
2: Oh my God. Oh, yeah. I bet you've seen some shit in your days. Uh, a
0: couple. I mean, I'm usually, you know, I usually am smoking some hash with them a couple hours after, you know, exactly. As long as we make it through. Um, suddenly, suddenly you've got a single dread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> um. So yeah, I wanted to talk about those Stanley hotel shows sure. too. I mean, obviously it's, I went ahead and watched a documentary last night. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like, not a long one, like a 15-minute just, like, interviewing hotel staff and some of the, you know, people who work there about their anecdotal stories of hauntings and stuff like that. Um, So, you know, I'm sure you've talked a lot about, like, why you chose the Stanley Hotel. I mean, it's fucking cool and it's interesting. Yeah. But... Since there weren't shows there often, like what did it take to get in the first time and, and yeah. set up like audio and do all that? And then on top of that, do you all stay there? Yep. Okay, uh, we do. Yes. Yeah, so, so we've
2: done it eight years. Um, the first time I came up with the idea about 10 years ago. And I approached uh, Scott Campbell, who is the promoter that would do our shows in Denver. Okay, and I I pitched the idea to him over breakfast one one time after the gig, and he was like, "I love this idea. I'm on it." And he basically had to lobby the hotel and uh uh to to let us do it because they'd never had a band play there. They'd had like or you know string quartets or like yeah little stuff and um so we did it and we announced it as i think a two-night thing and then it sold out like you know all i did was put a post on facebook and it was like instantly sold out so we had another night same thing And what's
0: the cap on on that room um it varies uh it's
2: they they can fit what do they call it i don't know what they're selling to these days but um It depends. Like we're doing this year, we're doing it outside because of the pandemic. And, um, and when just when we rescheduled it, that's how we decided it. So we're doing three nights at 1200 outside. Wow. Um, And, uh, but the room is smaller than that. And, uh, but, uh, they started really small. Like the first years we did it were smaller and it's, it's way bigger now. Um, but the, uh, uh, the thing is the, the people uh who were at the hotel were always changing. And then the owner, as soon as he realized, as soon as we did the first year, they they say that our weekends are um the biggest weekends they have. And right. so they realized that, um, oh my God, this is huge. And um so they leaned into it and they've they've said some incredibly nice things and articles and stuff about us, and um and it's uh for us, we were just trying to do something fun and different and it turned into something much bigger. And huh. the hotel has I think added like a hundred million dollars of facilities since we started doing it because they've seen so much business resulting from it. Oh, cool. And the city has really uh picked up too, and there's just like more jobs and more tourism. Huh. And so if I think it's kind of like a cool byproduct of this like simple, silly idea. Sure. And um, so you know, we're just we're really proud of the whole thing and We've even said that um, if someday we decide to not tour anymore, we're going to do that every year, just because it's special to us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just keep that going. So, yeah. Since you've played there, and you, you know, as you've mentioned, you kind of got juice at the Stanley Hotel now. Um, <laughs> like, have Jeez. you done the full? You know, have you have you done the full haunted tours? Oh, have yeah. you been like brought around like? Um, oh yeah so you've I've been seen it to, all, you've been to the room two one seven i slept in it yeah you slept in it yeah okay so tell me like like are you like are you open to that paranormal stuff in general and 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 what if anything did you vibe out on when you were there
2: i i would say that i'm open to it but I, i'm also like a super pragmatic person so right. i'm like uh it's it's one of those things that i enjoy and i I love when I do get spooked. Um I'll tell you a couple quick ones. <laughs> yeah. Um So, okay. So, the hotel is haunted by... There's an admiral who likes to touch women's butts. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, he pinches women's butts. Uh, right. There's the 217... Right. Uh, I did not have anything happen. I stayed there for like four nights, and I didn't have anything happen when I was there. Okay. I have talked to fans who have stayed in there and had. Actually, what happened when I stayed there was people kept walking by the door and knocking on it because they oh. thought they were talking to ghosts and it's like I'm <laughs> trying to fucking sleep in yeah, here, you know. Yeah. But uh, like, but no uh, <laughs> way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, um, the uh, uh some the things that have happened that have been interesting to us and there's a lot um we did a paranormal tour that um we were like trying to like summon spirits basically for yeah. 5 hours yeah. and uh and we heard some crazy stuff over uh well you know one of their like radio devices the craziest thing that happened was this door just like whipping shut in front of all of us by itself Whoa. um uh which was really wild um we've had Crew who like went down into the basement of the concert hall where, uh, Lucy, who is a drifter who died in the, uh, building like a hundred years ago, uh, she lives there and she likes music apparently. Ah. And so we always dedicate a song to her. That's cool. Um, and, uh, Lucy, uh, the one that was really wild, my, my friend Jackie, uh, Becker, who's like a show promoter in Kansas and Missouri, she comes and she stage manages our events and she went down in the, green room once and like she was alone in the room and all of a sudden it got really cold and the light bulb just burned out
0: Oh my god! and gosh.
2: she said she was like nope and ran out of the room and um we've had the tvs just turning on by themselves okay uh and the best one is my friend jen I'm sitting at dinner with her and she all of a sudden went whoa did someone just touch me on the shoulder and i was like sitting across from her and nobody was even near her. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, no, no. And she's like, that was the craziest feeling. I just, I was absolutely sure somebody just touched me on the shoulder. And we were like laughing. I think like, probably a ghost. And then <laughs> the next day she went to the airport and I got a text from her. And she said that she went through the metal detector and the scan went off or the alarm went off. And as she was walking through, our, and when she was walking through, the scan went off. And then uh, she looked at the screen and there was a mark on her shoulder exactly where she'd been touched that was showing up like there was – like she had a (gasps) piece of metal or something. Wow. How interesting. That was my favorite one because we were just like,
0: oh, my God. (laughs) Just (laughs) What kind of paranormal goo was left on your shoulder? What was it? (laughs) Ectoplasm. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Wow. So that was my
2: favorite one. So we do – and we hear all kinds of stuff from fans – Um, it's, they, I will say one more thing on the haunting stuff that, uh, the people who are really into it, um, attribute the, uh, paranormal activity to the fact that the hotel is built on a floating quartz bedrock foundation. Right, right. And quartz is supposed to be like a transmitter of that stuff. That's what they say. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I saw Uh, that
0: too. Yeah. That's part of the, it's like, it's just, um. Well, it's like things are left in the courts, right? That go, that like carry through time. That's the idea.
2: I guess. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that's what they say. Um, So, you know, there's all sorts of philosophies and, you know, for me, it's, I'm just interested in going every year and hearing the new stories. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we feel like it's just a place that we're interested in, in being.
0: So it's, so it's like. You know, I noticed this in the documentary, too. Like, anyone who seems to spend a lot of time there, it's not like some people are like, oh, this is haunted. Some people are like, this is not. Almost every, it's like universally, they're like, oh, yeah, this place is haunted, like, for sure. Well, it's also like, you know, this creaky old building and the wind
2: up there is really crazy. And it makes, like, there's this aura that, like, even if it's just the wind, I will tell you that, like, I talk to people all the time who are like it was so creepy I was by myself in the room and I was like okay that's when but what was that and you know yeah, yeah. and there's like all these strange um, phenomena that even if it's just you know scientifically proven stuff there's no way that you don't feel something right? and so I think just the con, you know as like an artist that's our job is like try to make people feel something and I think it's pretty cool that you know the hotel's pitching in on that one for <laughs> yeah, us yeah
0: yeah do you feel like, I mean, you're, you know, you're the main practitioner of this thing, uh, the conduit from the the, <laughs> the one side to the other. Like, do you feel any kind of responsibility there or like that you're, you know, highlighted by like, do you think the ghosts know who you are specifically? <laughs> like Adam's back again this year, you know, like he's right. the one who puts this all together, you know, like. The music guy, the music guy. This is going to sound so fake
2: to the listeners and you, but it's very real. And um, the, you know how like, you know how people will say, oh, I I saw this guy or, you know, there's this person who looks exactly like you. And then they send you the picture and you're like, no, they don't, you know. (laughs) Right, right. So that happens to me, you know all the time. I think partially because I have a mustache. It's the mustache it's
0: just, thing. I get sent yeah. a picture of Danny Trejo once a week.
2: <laughs> there like, you, you go. You guys
0: know I'm fucking Jewish, right? Like, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um. That, totally. I get people, yeah, it's like I'm Italian-Russian and it's like yeah. I get pictures of like people that are like distinctly of an ethnic group that I am not. And I, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, we just both have mustaches. It's just, yeah,
0: it's just a facial. Yeah,
2: yeah. but uh, I don't know. But uh, anyway, so the reason I bring it up is that you're asking if the ghosts know who I am. Like, I, I mean, th- it's a funny question. I love it. But here's where it gets creepy is I think it was the second year we were there. Um, Someone sent me a photo of that was that's in one of the rooms. That's like a hundred year old photo. And there is a man who looks exactly like me Whoa. in the photograph at the okay. hotel. And that I was like. Okay, f- fuck this! <laughs> you know, Whoa, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not into that. Huh. Uh, and I've seen people will send it to me some years, and I'm just, I, I find it actually unsettling. <laughs> have um, you, have
0: you been able to decipher who the man in the photo is at any point? It's just some cowboy. It's like
2: I, it's just like you know, some old photo from like I'm guessing it's just like a stock like Colorado, right, right, you know, image thing. But it's frontiersman photo. Whatever. Yeah. And yeah. It's, to me, it's so, huh. it's like a little too much. <laughs> right. I actually find that to be probably the creepiest thing.
0: That uh, do- Yeah. That your doppelganger is on the wall. Yeah. Cause like it's of
2: all the pictures that I've ever seen of somebody like, it looks like you, this is by far the closest.
0: Have you ever had a like uniquely paranormal experience? Uh, you know, aside besides from the Stanley hotel as a kid or anything like that? Uh, you know, I did,
2: uh, My mom and I were, um, on a trip with some family friends when I was 17 in Ireland and we were in, uh, County Cork. Um, and, uh, we, uh, actually we were in the Bay of Dingle and uh, we were in this old, old house and my mom and I had a, well, basically I was sitting in my room reading a book and it was, it suddenly got very cold Mm -hmm. and I it was shocking. Like it came on really fast and I heard, I got a very like ominous feeling like, like terror and out of nowhere. And cause I was just like sitting, enjoying a book, you know, mm-hmm. and like I had been doing for quite a while. And then I heard what were strange sounding footsteps to me. And, um, my bed was right by the door and my mom was in the room next to me. Her bed was right by the door and I leapt out of bed when I heard these footsteps and I ripped open the door. You were talking in like two seconds and a moment later, like a moment i by, I mean like a second or two later, my mom ripped open the door and she was like, did you just go to the bathroom? And oh. uh, I was like, no, did you? And she said, no. She said, I woke up and I was being pinned down to the bed <gasps> and, uh, something was on top of me and I was fully awake. And, you know, and that is how, you know, some people have night terrors and that's exactly yeah. how they describe yep. it. Yep. Um, and I've, I've dealt with, uh, I don't, I've not had them, but I've dealt with uh, people who have. And um, she was like, that was horrifying. And then I I was able to break free and then I heard footsteps. And so the, it's our shared experience to me was the close. that's the only time I've ever had anything that was like, that's crazy. Yeah. And, um, so that was when I was 17. And it, I think that sort of opened me up to it a little bit. But I remember my, there was a little twin bed in the room. I was like, I'm going to sleep in this room. Just yell if <laughs> there's a problem. You know.
0: I just got the, bumps. Ooh, you got the that goosey bumps. <laughs> I did. You gave me the gooseies for sure. That's what J-Lo calls them. Oh, she does the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I was hanging out with my nieces yesterday and they wanted to take selfies. I'm like, no, sweetheart, they're ussies now. <laughs> and I felt I so it. cool. I learned it from Ted Lasso, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but my bandmates oh, love it. It's great. I Yeah, well, we won't spoil it now. It is great. Okay. It's great in the idea if you just want to guilt-free, just feel good for a minute. Turns you know? out I do. Yeah, and it's a nice way. It's like a an uncheesy way to feel good for a little bit, which which is nice. Um I'm into it. So I wanted to get into something fun because, because I, you know, I started doing some research and you've you've had a a lot of longevity with the band and a really interesting and cool career that I appreciate in so many ways. And but I think you're inching towards something else that I'm not sure if you're certain of, and I want to talk about it. You may be inching towards the longest relationship in music history. <laughs> so, give what year did you get married? We've only been
2: married for, I guess, eleven years. So, twenty ten. Okay, um, still a
0: long time. But, but you've been uh, Sarah, together quite, quite a, quite a while longer, right? Yeah, Sarah and I just
2: celebrated um, twenty years. Uh, well, so we went on our first date in like early September of two thousand. Wow. Um, and. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, we were kids when we met, basically I was, I had just turned 19 and she had just turned 18.
0: So what's cool. I I came up with a list here of the most successful relationships inside of bands that have ever existed. Oh my gosh. Okay. Interesting. Now, if we take your meeting date to me, you are now one, two, three, fourth All time in music history. (laughs) What? Who is for non? Because all these other ones, the famous ones, they're not together anymore. Uh All the like real, you know, the Fleetwood Mac, Mamas and the Papas, right? Abba, Ike and Tina, Sonny and Cher. You know, like all the big ones, they didn't make it. So to me, there's only a few I found that beat you. Okay, I'm. I'm There's a classic. We'll go down in order. So if you're 2000, I'll say you're in fourth. Okay. Now we have Matt and Kim have been married since 2004. Okay. The Wynn and Regina from Arcade Fire since 2003. Okay. The two from Mates Estate since 2001. Okay. But to me, because of your relationship, you beat all them. And the only oh. ones that beat you are Ira Kaplan and George Ubley from Yola Tango, oh. or Georgia Ubley. Uh, two people from the Tom Tom Club who've been married nice. since '77. Oh yeah, and Gloria and Emilio Estefan from Miami Sound Machine who've oh, been married since '78. Yeah.
2: I love that they have that distinction.
0: So you literally, so you literally Miami. are fourth all time in this list, and I can't find any more. It's really impressive.
2: I want to congratulate you on your research because that is that is maybe the most unique thing in all the (laughs) interviews I've done over the years uh I have never heard that one
0: (laughs) I try I try That's amazing
2: good good work I love personal
0: anecdotes and I love rankings you know I love it I read the almanac because you're a baseball fan Yeah, yeah you want you want your statistics I need numbers yeah are <laughs> adam the only and sarah way to measure our world. <laughs> are you going into the hall of fame or not
2: oh my god the yeah. romance hall so of fame.
0: i think you you're the two of you are going to cooperstown good oh for my you. God. <laughs> i mean that's really it's really cool and it's really impressive um thank so, you so that being said uh you know and and also, I mean, you have uh, other original members, and Dagan's been on since, what, Tooth and Claw, so that's a really he's long time. He's been on time. since
2: two- early 2007, yeah. so he's been in for quite a while.
0: So we talk about this a lot on the podcast, just because it's it's fascinating. Is like, after all these years, and especially, you know, like you mentioned before, being the person who has your hands on the wheel a lot of the time, you know... W- what are some tricks you've learned over the years to keeping people together, keeping people engaged and happy? Um, You know, what's some stuff that you figured out over the years that makes this all work? Uh,
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, it's really hard because uh, I think, you know, you you can't, you can't control other people is the first (laughs) rule is that you need, You need to have a soft touch as much as possible. While also, if you're in a leadership position, like I I suppose that would be what I'm doing. You you need to learn how to, uh, you know, get the best out of people and 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 motivate and encourage them, but also just let them arrive at their own um, conclusions and Mm. make them feel empowered to make uh, to speak up to make their own decisions about stuff. Um, but you know, I think one of the things that I think is pretty unique to being in a band that a lot of people don't understand is like, you really have to learn how to, um, be a part of a group, Mm. uh, like of a Mm -hmm. micro society, you need to learn how to, uh, understand that, like, you can't just like, fucking swing your dick around and <laughs> like it's just not healthy for anybody yeah, yeah and you know you have to find other ways of getting things done and you know i'm i will not pretend that i have been you know a perfect uh front man um but i like to think that i have not been a terror <laughs> if you
0: were a terror you wouldn't be a band and that that's why yeah. i ask you know
2: yeah i mean and like you know we've had people come and go over the years. But, you know, a lot of it is because when we started this band, like we did not intend to make this the rest of our lives. (laughs) It just happened. It kind of happened to us. And then like, you know, people have gone through different phases of their lives, ups and downs, you know, challenges. And, you know, we've had uh, all different kinds of, uh, you know, qualities of uh, change that have happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think like right now, um we actually added a sixth member recently oh, yeah. uh emma uh team and she's been playing violin with us Oh, uh, cool! and so like she was selling merch and she would come up every once in a while play a song and we were like man why don't you just join the band and nice. uh so she's in now and we've been writing all this past two weeks uh together Very cool. and um they just went home to their respective states today but um but yeah, um, I think that it's just about like making sure that like somebody has to steer the ship. I yeah. think that's actually really important. I don't think people um, understand how much there kind of has to be one person who has a vision, mm-hmm. but that person needs to be open to criticism, uh, suggestions, uh, and other people also need to uh, step up and sometimes say, actually, I think this, right. why don't we do this instead? And Sure everybody needs to learn how to just deal. Um, we do a thing for the last two records that we've been writing that I think is probably the healthiest writing technique that I have learned. Uh, I, uh, I call it the dream hammer. Ooh, and, um, the dream hammer. Go so on. So basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good name. Uh, so I basically prepare like as many songs as I can for each writing session. Okay. And I essentially audition them to the rest of the band. Um and they give me like a pass or fail or a maybe go back to the writing board and fix fix some stuff Uh and I just have to deal with it and um and it sometimes seems like an interesting
0: exercise yeah
2: it's well okay it's as simple as this if your band isn't excited about the song like then who's gonna be you know it's like yeah yeah sure
0: sure it's
2: just like it's it's putting total trust in their opinions. And it's also, it's good for me to be challenged and good for me to learn, like, what am I doing? Well, what am I not doing? Well, and we have this new song that we are working on this week. That is probably the most interesting thing that has come out of the dream hammer. Ah. We call it the dream hammer because they're bas- basically, smashing my yeah, the dreams of my the creativity. Hammer.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and so, I presented this song, and I was like, okay, guys, I kind of shit this one out because I like this one melody keeps repeating in my head, but the rest of it, I don't... I am just not really feeling it, but I wanted to just, like, put it down and and see what you thought. And, like, two of the members were like, I could see this song being really popular, but I don't think it's very interesting. Ah. Um, and I was like, I don't love that. And then Sarah was just like, okay, so I don't like... The, the narrative voice, that doesn't work for me. I was like, okay, like in which part? She's like, all of it. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. I was yeah. like, okay, all yeah. right, all right. Right, right. I was like, well, I like this part. Do you like this? And she's like, I don't know. Maybe I don't like this part about it. And I, I was like, okay, well, what if we just only take the stuff that people like? So we just took the tiniest fragment of the song and completely changed everything else about it. And within like 24 hours, we had an incredibly unique and wow. adventurous song huh. that's outside the box for anything we've done in 21 years. Wow, And the Dream uh, Hammer. All right. And I think it was kind of cool because it's basically just being receptive to uh, outside uh, yeah. opinions. And do you and- think
0: without the context of the Dream Hammer, like people maybe wouldn't have been or even had the arena to kind of pick at it that much? I think you
2: said it perfectly with the idea of the arena. Yeah, we're I'm giving them an opportunity to say, "Hey, if you don't like it, speak right. up." Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think that, and then it's the best part about it is you're not wasting each other's time. Sure, you know, like why should we work for like days on a song trying to refine it and only to find out that nobody cares about it? Right. You know. Sure.
0: How it's hard? It, seems- how hard is it for you? Like, say. You know, you're bringing an idea and in the back of your head, you're like, this is fucking good. Like, I know it's good. Man. I really like it. Like, and it just gets trashed by the dream hammer. Like, is that hard? They're pretty sensitive okay. about <laughs> the way that they present it to me. So it's
2: not, they're just like, this fucking sucks. You know, okay. like they're, yeah, they're yeah. just, they're very uh, careful. Like a dream paddle,
0: maybe. <laughs> or,
2: yeah. It's a dream swaddle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: it's
2: like, no, but they, they're very like opinionated, but also they, they respect the fact that they know that I have sometimes put a ton of work into something. Sure. That sure. um, uh, the first time that, the first time that there was one that I believed in that they said no to, and we say no to songs all the time. Um, the first time though that it was one that I really believed in, that uh, Sarah was like, I just don't like it. She was really upset telling me. Like she felt really bad for mm. just being like, I don't want this to be on the record. I just don't think it's good enough. And then a couple other people were like, yeah, I don't love it either. And I was like, oh, okay. And so that was the first time that everybody really laid it down. And yeah, I think yeah. it was really good for me to just say, oh, okay. Even though we've developed it, if they feel this way, then that's, it's, that's simple. We need to just call it.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I mean, it's such a seems like a really healthy way to do things. But I could see, you know, someone with a little too much ego or bravado might might not be able to pull it off. So it's good on you as well to be able to, I guess, even be open enough to it. You know,
2: well, I think it serves all of us and it serves the audience. And it's like, and I think that you know, it's not like it doesn't hurt for anybody. Nobody nobody wants to have a confrontation, (laughs) right? But it's like it still hurts a little. But it's like also you just gotta. That's
0: that's life, baby. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Well, I didn't know this. So, you know, I'm like an old Murder by Death fan, you know, from from Aww. the old albums, you know, and, sure. and still a Murder by Death fan. And since I'm not exactly attuned to pop culture, I kind of totally missed the fact that you guys were used in like Sons of Anarchy. And then uh, also a video game called Destiny 2 or Red Dead yeah. Redemption or these these games and I'm on these YouTube threads and I see like, uh, you know, the song go to the light.
2: Yeah, that was big. And
0: every single comment on it is like, rest in peace, Cade. Oh my God. Cade should be avenged. I'm like, who the fuck is Cade? Like, did you guys have to like, did you all like pick up on what was going on there? Did anyone actually play the game or anything?
2: So this story is, uh, this story is so, uh, crazier than I thought it would be. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah. I mean like, yeah, we've had placements like our song coming home was in the trailer for Tarantino's inglorious bastards. Right. Like that was a big deal. Yeah. And I love that movie, but like, you know, we got some talk about that and it was cool, but I will say that destiny placement was the biggest placement we've ever gotten. Wow. And because that game made a billion dollars the first day, Holy shit. Really? And, uh, yeah, it's like it's like bigger than a Star Wars movie. So way bigger
0: um, than Quentin Tarantino, like yeah.
2: oh my god, yeah. yeah. And bigger than anything like the video game industry is so big.
0: That's wild.
2: And that placement okay. was really big for us and I think we actually picked up quite a few fans from it and they and they paid us nicely, you know? I mean, um which is awesome and but here's what's so crazy about that story is they found the song and they knew that they were going to kill off a main character in the trailer. And they, they, wanted, they were like, your song is perfect. It syncs up right. But the problem was, was that they wanted to make some edits to it. And we had lost the stems for the recording. <laughs> no shit. So, yeah, somehow. So we had to re-record it. Wow. And they were like, listen, this is such a big deal. Um, and we want to get it just right. So we're going to fly out two executives from LA to Louisville where you're recording. And we need it like this week. So, um, and we were, happened to be in the studio making the other shore, our last Uh, album. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're like, yeah, we'll just knock it out again. And so, um, we were doing the recording and they're like, okay, we want to think, we want you to see the,
0: the reason they flew the executives out. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. Were they executives for like a label or like the video game company? Oh,
2: sorry. they were, they were the marketing firm that the video game company had hired. I see. And they had a laptop. That was like an encrypted laptop that had the trailer on it, oh. because this video game was such a big deal that people had been flying drones by the studio trying to get uh, spoilers for Holy the game. Holy shit! Wow. That and so these people were literally carrying a locked briefcase with oh. an encrypted uh, computer in it. So they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna play the song uh, and show you like what we're going for here and where where we want the moments to fall, and you know we just want to make sure that the recording syncs. In the right way. And so they start we start watching the video, and all of a sudden, there's this giant red box over one of the characters. And we realize they won't even let us see who the character that's dying is. And we had to sign NDA non-disclosure agreements that we wouldn't reveal who this character was like. And you know, we're all like, guys. It's cool. Like, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're good. But, like, you know, we did it, obviously. But, like, and they were very sweet. Like, they actually, like, went and ate at a restaurant that night and, like, bought T-shirts. Like, they were very, very nice. (laughs) Sure, sure. Um, And, like, uh, but it was such a – it was on a level that, like, we've never even touched in terms of, like, professionalism. And were you, like –
0: you were recording – Like you were just tracking in front of them and they were like making sure the sounds were right, like the original or something?
2: Well, because it was a bunch of non-musical people trying to explain what they wanted. Yeah, it seems strange. You could be like, is this right? Yeah, And and then, because they would make these requests and I was like, I'm going to give you like three versions. One that has like more sweeping strings, one that has like a climbing vocal part in case you want more intensity. Mm. And, you know, it's just like we spent a few hours just doing like, a little extra stuff for them. Yeah, cool. Um because we had to re-record it anyway and like but it was the strangest experience for yeah. me because I've never like scored a movie. You know, people have used our stuff, but I it was it was fun. I mean, honestly like uh like I grew up playing video games, sure. you know, yeah. like it
0: was fun. And what was uh the timeline like from when like you were done with it to it being out? Pretty fast, like really? within a couple weeks. Oh, so that um, that thing was like ready to go, and they were just oh, yeah. plugging in your yep. song. Wow, yeah, it was wild like
2: really fast, and we saw like a lot of. I mean, that song just because it was in that video game has like you know it was it was an obscure track because it's super slow and depressing, and at the end of an album, and like you know that maybe had like a million plays on Spotify. Nothing, you know, it was like one of the lesser listened to songs we don't like Spotify not like the main way people listen to us, but you know, you can see how many plays yeah, there yeah. are or whatever, it's a
0: barometer. Yeah.
2: but it's got like, you know, five times that because of this or something, yeah. you know, it's, it's, or I, I don't even know where it's at now. It's I haven't looked a year, now, yeah. but, but that's just, you know, on Spotify and like you look at YouTube and it's, it's reaching people that never would have heard of us. And you know, that's, that's, I guess why we do this. In terms of the, that's why we let people use our songs.
0: Well, it's cool because you know, when you're talking about it, I've always some of my favorite songs in history are my favorite songs in history because of a part of a film.
2: Mm, I agree with that. You know,
0: like there's actually quite a few that are like some of my favorite songs because strange movies too, but just, you know, that you relate to like a feeling or a character and it just always makes that song special. And I'd never thought that you could do that for a video game. I guess I don't play these shooters, and I don't know how yeah. involved people actually get with it. But I'm looking apparently at apparently really involved. I mean, like, dude, people are like, I listen to this song, I cry every time because I think of Cade, <laughs> and and like, like this is Cade's uh, don't song. Make no laugh. Let's avenge Cade, like, mm-hmm, dude. There's dude. some like. Next level shit, going like this song. Passionate fans is going to be connected with these people for the rest of their lives because of this fictional character, and it's fucking cool. It's like a new way to connect. Like, I think it's great. You know, it's like it's not like
2: I, you know, it's it's a little outside of my typical experience, but I I love it that they that it matters to them at all. Yeah. And um, have you had uh, have you had any placements that you're like particularly proud of? You anything really cool that? You know, we were like, "Oh man, that's that's really cool." That so and so used our song. Like, no, no, really? not
0: really. Like, I've been waiting for it forever wow. too, because for such a
2: successful band, there's too, all like- these
0: parts of Gaslight songs that I find so cinematic. Like, oh, where I, I completely I, agree. Where with Where I that. like imagine like John Cusack outside of a house holding up a stereo, or I imagine yeah. like someone walking through the rain in like a you know pivotal moment of their lives. Wow. And the most like I don't know, we had a fucking snowboarding car in a nissan commercial once right, the song right. like uh, we were on like huh. a couple like cheesy like drama shows like in the trailers or credits or something one tree hill um uh-huh. but no not really actually oh. we've either you know had an awful fucking publishing thing going on forever or just that can be part of it no one connects I mean, it yeah yeah i will say
2: that like we had a woman Carrie Ann Marshall that was our publisher for a long time and she really believed in us and really got what we were doing and understood that we were unique and she's like you're not going to get like you know all the placements but the ones that you're going to get are going to be cool
0: right she was, right you know,
2: she was like these are they're going to be ones that make sense because you're going to be the only ones who will have the right song for it or whatever, right? Right, and and she really, really went to bat for us, That's and so cool. I, 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 would, I can't really talk about this without just like having extreme gratitude for the work she put in. It's awesome, and and we were, you know, such a small client. I mean, she works with like Lord and stuff, you <laughs> right, know. What I right. mean, like, and like, and I felt like she was giving me more time than I even expected, at, 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 even in my wildest. Aspirations. So, you know, it's like there are those people that go to bat for you in the industry that, like, you know, our fans have no idea who Carrie Ann is, but like, you know, I'm incredibly indebted to her. So that's awesome. uh, Yeah. I mean, that world is, I mean, there's nothing easier. Than somebody just taking a thing you already made and putting it in front of an audience and paying you for it. You yeah, know, it's like, yo, yeah, it's, it's literally totally it's the lottery. Yeah, it's the lottery it's in true. the music industry.
0: It's amazing. It's like yeah, I tell Brian everyone, so I'm like, dude, just wait. Our Wayne's World is coming. Oh, you know, man. someone will grab it and then you know it'll turn. My my newer project, Mercy Union. Uh, yeah, yeah, we got uh, synced on Undercover Brother Two. <laughs> nice to the sequel. It's like. So bad that we barely even shared it. It was like a fight scene in that movie. It's so fucking oh, really? funny. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm gonna have to check that out. Oh yeah. I mean, just to check out Undercover Brother 2 is is good anyway. Yeah.
2: Uh, but that's fun. You know, I mean like that's I, I wrote I I wrote some joke songs for a while and I was trying to get them placed. And there were like two Will Ferrell movies that almost used one. Oh. And I was just like, oh, that would have been such a bad thing for me. Yeah. It's like they're never gonna use like Murder by Death song for a Will Ferrell movie, but like, I love the guy. <laughs> right,
0: right. Well, I wanted to ask about one thing because you know I've toured with you and known you a long yeah. time, and and I've always found you to be you know I I didn't even know at first. I'm like, all right, I'm touring with Murder by Death. Like this dude's gonna be broody, you know. <laughs> and then you know I got I'm like, oh, Adam's like super nice guy, like really engaging, easy to talk to, you know, um, Thank you. and fun, you know. And then. I listened to some songs like Go to the Light, Lost River. I even saw a tweet you made that are like, geez, (laughs) these new songs are fucking depressing. Um, Is there a real like, like inside and outside personality for you? Is there like something going on normally that you just don't like to kind of include in your outside persona or you're just able to balance it?
2: you know, I, I try to, I really try to not have a persona as much as I can. Uh, I'm a very, like what you see is what you get in most ways. Um, but that being said, like, you know, I'm like high energy. So I think in person, um, uh, you know, I like, I like talking with people. I'm social. I try to be, you know, kind and engaged when I can, but you know, I also have, you know, I, I think I have, I wouldn't say I've struggled with depression all my life, but like I can feel pretty low. Um, And I think that the reason that I have been lucky enough to be thriving more than not is that I found outlets in my life. Mm. And, you know, starting, I started playing live music when I was 15. And, um, And I think that if I had not found something that was uh, a creative expression through writing and performing, I definitely think that I could be uh, in a not good place at some point in my life. But I, so I try to be appreciative of that. And then I try to be, I I really, one of the things that I really hate in the world is deception and lying. Mm -hmm. So I actively try to just be really honest and forthcoming with myself and with my heart and with, um, I just don't see the benefit of, um, obfuscation and hiding things. And like, one of the only things that makes me mad is when somebody is forced to hide themselves for fear of their personal safety. Mm, And so like, you know, it's like, uh, so I really, that crops up in different places, you know, like I, you know, I fucking hate bullies and I, you know, I don't stuff like that, where it's just like, don't pick on the person who's like struggling. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, you know, I, but I do, I think those, the songs are a manifestation of, uh, both, you know, the times that we're living in and also, um, the experience that I'm personally having living through them. And, uh, like I, you know, I think I grew up thinking I was an optimist. Uh, and then I realized (laughs) as I was like getting older that one, I don't really think that there's a such thing as an optimist or a pessimist. Yeah. And, uh, but I started to realize like, Oh no, I was just like a privileged person, like (laughs) to grow up middle class. Right. And, um, you know, basically, uh, avoid all the, um, difficulties in my life that, um, anybody who grew up like poor or, you know, uh, with like any, like a disability or whatever, sure. or even just, you know, like growing up and having like a different gender identity or whatever, like people have had so many more challenges than I have had in my life. And I realized that, um, you know, I think when you're, when you try to be an empathetic person, um, the world doesn't look super rosy <laughs> yeah, because you're right. thinking about other people's experiences That's other true. than just your own. Yeah, and yeah. so even though I, I have like a pretty like gregarious quality, I, I there's a lot of internal suffering <laughs> sure. when I look, when I see the world and I think it, it all like I've been basically writing 20 years of albums about like, if, if I had to define what I write about, like what is the thing that when I am inspired to write about, I write about what I would describe as like um moral uh the a goal for moral betterment in oneself and also like the other theme seems to be a creeping evil mm. and the creeping evil is usually I think sort of centered around uh, a moral failing um and so it manifests in this fantastical way in our songs cuz I like to use fantasy yeah. you know uh as a backdrop you know That's interesting.
0: Um, Yeah. Moral failing. I think that's true. Because even as you talk about this, talk about someone who can get into adulthood and maintain empathy, it's harder because you have to look at people's pain. You have to look at suffering. You have to look not only your own, but other people's and you almost have to compare and contrast. It's kind of like, it takes like the courage of consistent self-evaluation and empathy to stay a good person. And people just seem to abandon that because it's hard. It's, it's
2: Yeah, it's easier to be willfully ignorant yeah. than it is to do something difficult. Like, I mean, if you look at like, if you're stopped at a red light and there's like a homeless person there and your immediate reaction is like anger and you're like mad at this, like yeah. people do that all the time. They all get the mad yeah. and it's like, well, you're not processing your feelings correctly because right. you're probably not mad at that person. No. You're probably you mad, mad at? at the system that yeah. caused them. You're mad at your and so, dad.
0: Shut up. Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And,
2: and So it's like, you know, for me, it's just like, uh, you know, I think about that stuff and I think about like, well, okay, I don't want to not understand why I'm angry Mm. you know i would just i want to figure it out i want to figure out like okay well what am i really thinking about what yeah. is happening here oh i'm actually just upset that this person can't uh get the care they need or right. the job they need or like you know the conditions are so bad or you know and so it's like that's that's the sort of and then what can i do to like you know you know so like we carry like socks and like food bars in our yeah. car you know it's <laughs> like it doesn't do much, but like, you know, just talking with somebody for me, um, makes me feel like, okay, well, at least I know that what the problem is and I'm doing a tiny, tiny thing, um, to address it in the moment. And hopefully other people are doing the same thing to pick up the slack society has failed to do.
0: Sure. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. I mean, I even see, I could see the pitfalls more clearly now. And I guess I, I resent them a little less because, you know, I've gotten myself into a position now, you know, I have kids and a house and the whole, oh, yeah. like I'm doing the thing, you know? Yep. And I can see how easy it is to like, you're so busy and you're so taxed on a personal oh, yeah. level all the time that I, I can see where you would like turn your gaze inward. You know what I mean? And you'd be like, you know what? I Focus can't even, I can't even handle what's going on outside the world anymore. Whatever's Inside and we all these, do it. inside these doors I'll take care of and uh you know I'll get my fucking golf membership and I'll stay there. And and they just create all these safe places for them so they don't have to feel that part of the world anymore, you know? Which yeah. I understand. You're just why checking would, out of the world. Yeah, but you're also gonna be raising shitty oh, fucking. I think I kids. lost Benny. Like, and that's that's the thing is like you gotta you can't fall totally victim. I think Part of it too, and this is a much bigger conversation, is like this is what they do when they give you credit cards and university bills and medical insurance and Benny, you know, yes. We lost him. Oh, he's gone?
1: Yeah, I'm going to stop the recording and see if we can get him back. We are experiencing technical difficulties in the interim at Benny's request. Please enjoy this short excerpt of my high school band, Johnny Puke and the Regurgitators.
0: Yeah, here. It's you... me, Frank Tanana. Hey, Frank. <laughs> My hero. <laughs> Banana. <laughs> he was actually your hero, huh? Frank? Uh, I
2: love that. Loved was, that was uh, your guy? Uh, I had a band in high school called Frank Tanana.
0: <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's we, so good. We sang songs as if we were all his illegitimate children. And the songs no. were like, literally songs with lyrics like, Dear Frank, thanks for not pressing charges, Dad. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, see you on the next road trip, dad. Yeah. It oh, was, my God. There's was all stuff funny. like that. That's so fun. Do you have that recorded anywhere? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You got to send me a couple Frank Tanana tracks. I'll send you a, uh, where have
2: you gone, Frank Tanana? Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah.
0: So, you're not doing the Tigers as much these days?
2: You know, I haven't been watching sports at all, honestly, yeah. just for time. And, uh, sure. uh, like, I just... I, that's just not something that i i've been watching the olympics though this week it's fun isn't it i love i'm like obsessed with the olympics but oh, uh, what's your favorite event well this year there's going to be rock climbing so i'm right. so excited because that's like my passion i've been climbing for 12 years um, yeah and uh yeah. but then uh i really like the gymnastics that's the thing that i never thought was going to be something i am obsessed with it's probably my favorite if i had wow. to pick uh, other I'll see how the rock climbing translates to the format they're doing because it's not really a real it's sort of like a novelty the way they're presenting it but is it uh,
0: is it like a is it speed competition're like doing that th- kind of they're act? doing
2: speed bouldering and lead climbing but through this point system that's like totally created for the Olympics oh. so it's this it's not like like I've climbed for 12 years I've never seen someone practicing or doing speed climbing. And it's just like a, that's like a kind of, it's a thing, but it's just not, it's not like, um, I don't know. It's not like part of what I would consider like the, the bigger typical world of rock climbing.
0: Yeah. I've seen it on TV. It feels like a fairly non-pragmatic use of a mountainside.
2: It seems like it's like Ninja Warrior stuff to me. And I think it's like, it translates. I mean, it's going to look amazing
1: on TV. Is sure. it possible that it's bigger in other countries? Maybe. I mean, because one thing, I mean, I'm surprised that the that we're the the U S. isn't doing better this year because it seems yeah. like so many of these new sports, at least, are kind of like stacked in our favor. Oh, Brad, I don't
0: know if you know this, the U S. just kind of stinks <laughs> at a lot of stuff. But days. I mean, it seems like a lot of these <laughs> new sports that they've added, we should really be good at. Right. Oh, like skateboarding? Well, yeah. like we're
1: sucking at basketball and like Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean softball, we're just kind of itching inching by, it seems.
2: Yeah, the women's team was like and they have incredible history. I've been watching some of those games, but like um yeah, we're sort of I don't know. I mean it I don't think it's easy to be an American and like <laughs> it, like these days it's just right, been you know. it's been pretty weird <laughs> for yeah. a while. Yeah. So I, that not funky. I, it can't have a good effect on people, you know, from their yeah, performance. It's, you know? it's
1: ju- I mean, I'm kind of relieved to see that we're not dominating in those sports, yeah. you know. But um, yeah. it is a surprise.
2: I, you hey. know, I'm still rooting. Like, I'm still like, oh, someone miles. Like, you know, I, like sure. I still want to see everybody. Katie key Like, I want to see everybody do well because those are the people I'm familiar with. But also, right. I just like seeing people excel. You know, yeah. Like, I don't really care who it is. Like, if somebody does the most amazing, you know. Triple backflip. I'm. I'm just still gonna yell at the TV. Sure.
1: Oh, I got so emotional watching. Did you see the Austrian woman biker who like came out no. of no? It was like a like 150, 160 kilometer race, and Whoa. she was a total underdog, completely Whoa. unexpected, and she complete she came in so far ahead that the second place rider thought that she had won the race.
2: Whoa. The wow. second
1: place rider came across the line
0: with her arms in the air thinking that she had won the gold medal. Oh, and- how
2: depressing.
1: I know. That was
0: true. I did that when I was a kid, Brad. Really? <laughs> yeah, I did. I tricked an entire race, like race crowd. Because my old town, I grew up in Somerville, New Jersey. And every year, <laughs> inexplicably, they the like the cycling hall of fame is in that town or something. So they have an actual real bike race, the Tour uh-huh. de Somerville. That, <laughs> that like goes goes down Main Street, used to go past like everyone's houses, and you'd sit out in the front. It was a, you know, big thing in the town. Right. And one year I decided I've never been a great athlete. And uh I joined the fun run, you know? I was like, cool, I'll do the fun run. My parents want me to do it. Mm-hmm. And we start doing it. And it was like three laps around the course. And I guess already I had you know, fallen into the exact path I wound into in life um, because I was, a, I was about to finish two, going for the third. And I was like, nah, I'm like, I'm done with the fun run. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm out. I don't care. I had my and, fun. I, and I go through and people start clapping. And they're like, yeah, good for you. Woo. And like, there was this brief second where I was like, holy shit, I could pretend I won, you know, but like, of course, you know, I had punk rock guilt before I knew what punk rock was. Maybe it was just being a Jew, and and I was just like, no, 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 I only did two. I only did two. Look, look at me, you know. And uh, yeah, but I could, I could have went for it. Uh, I know. I should have. I should have won the fun run. Just, just had the glory for a minute. Just for you know? a moment. Yeah. So, Adam, I'm not gonna get back into the whole the whole thing we were doing before because that's that's a thing, but. I want, you know, some bands kind of get stuck with certain comparisons. Mm. Um, As you know, I've had the Bruce Springsteen one a lot. Mm. Um, You know, people from different places uh, always get pegged with one. Do you at any point, like, resent Johnny Cash for the constant comparisons? You know, I get it less and less, I I think, which is good. Um, Yeah, I still saw it a bunch. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, you know. (sighs) Are you ever just like, come on, man.
2: I think uh, resent isn't the right word, but it's just like, I think it's just that it's, um, yeah, you just want to, like, especially with, I have such a varied career in the music that we've made. We've really done a lot of different kinds of songs over our career and different albums. And I think that, um, you know, if that's a reference that helps people get into us, you know, great. But, um, I do, what I don't like is when the press manufactures a, like, like an idea and then the other press copies it. Like, you know, if, right, like, if you have right. like a really like poorly written, um, you know, just unthoughtful write up in a big publication. And then other people, then you start to see like other people taking yeah. lines from it. Right. That, I think that can be really hurtful. And it's just lazy um, <laughs> right, yeah. uh, on on both parts. And yes. so like that's the only time that I think that... Um, uh, that it's bugged me is when, uh, when it doesn't really like serve, like for example, if we do an album that doesn't sound like that at all, and like, there's no, like, you know, there's, there's no like song that actually really sounds anything like Johnny cash. And then you're like, okay, this is just, somebody lifted this from something because There's like one song from six years ago. That's the kind of stuff that I think bugs people the most. Um, sure. And myself included. And like, Uh, you know, I, I also just try to, um, I think we're at a point in our career where, uh, I don't see it that much from fans and I don't see, we don't get that much press anymore. We were never a big press band. Hmm. Um, we were never like press darlings. We never had that moment. Um, you know, we've had a decent amount of coverage, but like the music, criticism and press roll has not really done much for us anyway. So like my expectations for them, uh, understanding what we're trying to do or closely listening are just not that high. And there's a few people, there's a few people that have, you know, really made the effort and dug in with us and written about us that I really appreciate. Right. You know? Um, I mean, you know, Dan Ozzy, like he has really championed our band and like, and he, you know, Imagine that the person who, um, uh, gets what we're trying to do also like asks the best interview questions and like, you know, it's like, you know, so then like, if I'm being interviewed, it's a better article because he actually has put the time in to try to understand what, what we're trying to do. That's the thing is we're all just trying to do something, you know, (laughs) Right. it's like, it's like. I, I don't know. I, that's a world that like I, I barely look at the, the press world at, at all. I mean, that's good.
0: I mean, now that you're putting out, you know, pretty much, you know, servicing a lot of your records and yeah. stuff like that. Do you, um do you kind of skip that part of the process now? Do you not even like send records out for review? You just, you know, we have, see if people pick up on it or not. We have a publicist, but like uh-huh. the truth is I don't, like unless unless I'm having like a
2: good conversation type interview, I don't really, I don't really care like about it. Yeah, you know, right, I, I, right, don't, right. I don't know. It's like <laughs> I've done how many? I've probably done two thousand interviews in my yeah, life. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's like sure. it, there's a point where it's like I've done this before, and I've yeah. read reviews of our band and heard what people like or don't like, and it's just there's a point where it's like, you know. I have to think about like my goal is to make art and my goal is to challenge myself and my Baymates and for us to challenge each other to come up with a new way to express our thoughts and ideas and, you know, in a artful way. And, you know, and then everything else after that is like, I hope it makes money. I hope the audience likes it and it matters to them and it improves their life in some way. I hope that, People show up to the gig. I hope, you know, it's like, there's just all these like little micro things, but it's like, at this point in my career, like if nothing ever changed, if we never got any bigger, I mean, it would be incredible. I mean, we've like, we're still growing as a band after now 21 years. We're still like, we're doing the best we've ever done. And like, I'm very aware of how rare that is. And I'm extremely grateful uh, that that is something that I'm even allowed to keep doing. So it's it's like so I don't so I don't get hung up on like it sounds like this or this or this. I I find that the comparisons, like let me put this way, I don't know if I've ever seen a review that actually picked up on the sometimes like overt musical reference that we're making. You know, right? Like there's times where like we will be like I will I will present songs to the band. I'll be like I want you to do this. That sounds exactly like this from this band. Uh, Like and like just let's. I just want that to be the vibe of the keyboard part. And like, you know, that's because, you know, as an artist, you're always borrowing. And uh, sure. yeah. so it's like, even when we do these like extreme references you know, on occasion, like I've never seen a review is like, it reminds me of this. It's like, no, yeah. they're always picking something like I've never heard that band or like, oh, I hate that band or like, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's just like, so it's such a weird thing to, I think people get really concerned about the way they're written about and I just don't have the energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny you say that because, you know, your music is so varied throughout the years. Like you could find so much from so many different influences that wind up in there. But I feel like you can put any kind of music into like the murder by death machine and it sounds like murder by death because of, you know, the uniqueness of, of you guys as or you all as players. Is there any type of music that you love to play or listen to that just has no place in murder by death so i, I
2: um i do this trick whenever i want to try to like bring something weird in and sometimes i can't get it there but um what i do is that's a great question i'm going to think about that but first thing i want to say what this other thing while well, i'm trying to th- come up with what that answer would be but I do this trick where I, I basically have like um, like a buffer song or like mm. – it's like a gateway where if there's a song that I've written that's like, man, this is pretty out there for us. This is mm. not fitting with the other songs totally. I try to write a new song that can exist between uh, the song that's the outlier and then another song that's like maybe mm. the closest to it. Mm-hmm. And then that song – we, we always talk about bringing something into the Murder by Death universe. And so the idea is that if this song, let's say it's like a little too like wistful or something, mm-hmm. um, but you're like, okay, well, what songs do we have that we would consider wistful, but that aren't too much that. So it's like, okay, well, we need to write something that can exist in that space between and can sort of bridge the gap and then bring this song on board. And so, um, sometimes I'll have, like, references and influences. Like, here, I mean, here's an artist that I um, constantly use as uh, a musical reference for tones or even, like, melodies. Uh, I'm a huge Bjork fan, mm. and uh, I we don't sound anything like Bjork. No. At all. But we're constantly <laughs> referencing her, huh. and uh, we're constantly using her on our, like, inspiration playlists for basically being, like, I want to have this part sound like this, or the arc of the song do this. Huh. And so, like, um, in order for us to make a song that would sound anything actually like her, um, it you know obviously my voice would be it's so different than hers, and our singing styles are so different. But uh, but you know we have, we would have to approach it from like a more electronic angle and build the song that way. And we've actually built. Um, we have a song called, uh, it will never die that, um, we, I, that we approached it that way where we actually, it's one of the only songs we went into the studio and I recorded my parts and then we crafted the rest of it around it in order to try to make it the way that you would approach writing like a more electronic song. Yeah. yeah. And it was fun. I mean, like it was cool to, uh, it still sounds like a rock song and we can still play it as a rock song. You know, it's like more like an indie song, but, uh, um, but uh it's I like pulling from really broad and varied areas because it it gives you freedom you know sure I mean like I think it's really really I cannot imagine having to write a similar sounding song for 20 years you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you know I, to me I, like I don't think I could do it or or I wouldn't want to maybe I don't know like, I think it'd be really hard to find fresh ways to explore the, the, not the exact same thing, but like the same feeling or idea. And, um, some people are masters at it. Um, and it, and they can really like, let me just, I want to say something positive, like Iron Maiden, like, (laughs) you know, ACDC, like they're really good at the thing they do. And I'm still enjoying, you know, similar sounding stuff. So there are people that they know the formula but for right. me, it's like I want to bring more and more styles into the fold because
0: it's, it's fun yeah. for me and the band. It's really funny you said that because my follow up was going to be what happens if you're sitting down, and you're just rocking out the Maiden and you hear a lick that you just want to throw in a song? <laughs> it's pretty funny you said Iron Maiden first. I, was just, I love that was them. The barometer I was thinking. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I just absolutely love them. Yeah, Every once in a while, we'll have like somebody do like a hot lick that's kind of like, you know, hidden a little. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's one of the things I it's fun talking with other musicians when, like, when you can sneak something in, because, uh like, when you can sneak in, like, a part that, like, does not seem like it would suit the song, mm-hmm. but it's actually, like, maybe, like, a shit hot lick,
0: you <laughs> know, like, a really, like,
2: not a song that we would never expect there to be something that's, like, hard to play. yeah. Or, like, yeah. a beat, you know, like, a beat that's just, like,
0: Deceptively difficult. <laughs> right.
2: yeah. You know, I, that's what's fun. That's the fun part of what we do.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. We should sit down with listen Iron Maiden one day together. Um, so, I, I, lo- the other day, I hadn't seen that the Lost River video since it mm. came out. It's so incredible. And it made me cry. It's, it's such Aww. a lovely idea and sentiment and just made me, you know, I often, uh, you know, go to a lot of spiritual avenues to find things that make me feel better. And mm. I'm often left feeling rather empty at the end of it. It doesn't make me feel better at all. Mm. Uh, that song and that video make me feel better, makes me feel warm, uh, wow. makes me feel less scared. Because um, it's it's a lovely way to see it, I think. And so, I mean, I guess I don't know how to ask it more simply than this. Like, What do you think happens when we die? Mm. Well, um, if anything, (laughs) my, my inclination is
2: nothing, but uh, uh, I, you know, I I did religious studies through college and that was my passion, mostly focusing on Taoism and Buddhism. Okay. And, but I also did a lot of Christian studies and I grew up in like, a good Italian Catholic family Okay. where the priest would come over for dinner every Sunday and like, he was like a close friend. You're breaking bread
0: with father, huh? Yeah. Big time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, But, uh, father Farrell and, um, the, uh, the church was, uh, actually like, I think, I think it was a good church, even though I don't, I'm not a Christian. Um, I, I think that the church I went to, had strong values, um, even though I think a lot of modern churches don't, um, I, they were very focused on helping people, mm. kindness, forgiveness, help, like specifically, uh, poverty and homelessness was a huh. big feature of our church. So I actually so read I think the book. That's <laughs> what it seems like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, like, I never, I never, uh, felt like they were talking about stuff that was, um, uh, pointing fingers or it was always about just like, how can I help people? Mm. That was the message. And I think that that uh, was really good for me as a kid. And, you know, I do credit uh, that in my upbringing to being um, something that made me realize like that I want to um, try to be a better person and also try to like help sometimes, I guess. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Cool. And so, but that being said, um, you know, I think that religion is the like, you know, the biggest weapon in the world and is usually used for bad purposes. And, and I think that the big question of death is the fear motivator that, uh, gets all these wheels turning and all the evil spinning. And, um, and so, you know, my, my instinct is, is that, uh, is that even if there is something later um you it's better and healthier to live your life trying to do the best you can while you're doing it you know while you be present try to try to be good cuz like if I, even if there i always think about it like if there is some sort of you know judgment <laughs> at the end yeah uh like if you lived a good life meaning that you you know is, there are essential uh, values that appear in every religion and everybody knows what they are. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it's like, I right. don't pretend that people haven't heard about like being a good person, you know? <laughs> right. And like, it's like, we know, we all know, we all know what those values are. Yeah. Right. And then we, it's like, I think if you just do that, you're you probably have a decent shot if there is an afterlife. <laughs> so you so don't really, like,
0: you don't really buy it, but you're cover, You got, you think you got your odds. i my a basis <laughs> trying to cover my bases.
2: Yeah. but no, but I just think that it's like, I just think that everybody already knows and that life is essentially a battle with actually trying to, you know, put your money where your mouth is.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah,
2: sure. That's a lot. And I think that probably, uh, that battle is actually your heaven or hell, you know? Ah, um, uh, yeah, sure, uh, sure. And it's like the people who are failing at the battle are out there hurting others and causing
0: negativity, and it's like they're, they're living in hell now, you know? Ah, uh, uh-huh. They really, I mean, I wish, like, I could always go back to the fact that those people are unhappy, but they oh, seem yeah. so happy, you know? Well,
2: <laughs> but they're trying to present
0: a... Uh, you know, an outward happiness.
2: Um, but that being said, you know, I mean, it's like, it, it's not really up to us to judge other people yeah. other than, you know, objecting to their like truly heinous actions. You know? right, right. Right. It's right. like, for it's like, I, it doesn't really, it's it, all we can do is try to be better. That's right. But thank wow. you for your compliments on that video. Um, uh, I, our friend Gabe Darling from, uh, the band O Death directed that. Oh really? And he did such a good job with it. And yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's really lovely. Beautiful.
0: It is. It's beautiful. Oh, well, it's awesome. Uh well that was fun, yeah. Adam. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. It was such a pleasure.
1: Man, I want to play in a cave. Dude, that really does sound really cool. And you know what? Like, You can't, not everybody could do that. Like, and he was talking about how cool it sounded and how cool the um, fan sounded. Like, I'm pretty sure that like, you know, like, like Speedcore, metal band, it's not going to be that cool in a cave. Like, you got to have that like syrupy, thick vibe. (laughs) Like, they already have a cavey vibe that I am think, I think just like, I really want to hear that.
0: I really want to be there, man. But I think the cool testament to it too is I could see, because it's it's not often the band that ruins things like that. It's the fan base, yeah. you know. It's people who show up and do dumb shit, right? And I think Murder by Death have such a intimate relationship with their fans. Um, I think like they know exactly what type of people they are and what kind of things they would expect at this show. And I think as a result those types of people maybe gravitate towards the band. So like, I think, I think the fans of murder by death are even a little syrupy, you know, (laughs) like, like, and they are the types of people where there can be a flood outside your cave and you're like, Hey, it's the lost river, baby. You know, like, like we're in this now, at least we dressed up, you know, I don't know. This shit's fucking cool. It is. I really appreciate it. It I truly do. I truly, truly do. Um, and yeah, so they're working on a new album going through the Dreamhammer sessions, which is genius. That's pretty awesome. And uh yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Great band.
1: Yeah, if 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 there's any chance that you haven't listened to Murder by Death, then just get out there and listen to it. Like like Benny says, they they they've got a lot of different sounds but they've got the same vibe and it's uh, and it's awesome. Um
0: yeah, I feel like you could start anywhere, honestly. Yeah, I think that's you could. I think that's start true. anywhere. Just start with, with what interests you, you know. And um yeah, and you gotta, obviously if you're you anywhere near, near Louisville,
1: break? you should be going to Pizza Lupo.
0: I want to Oh, go. that's right. Oh, we forgot to ask about the restaurant.
1: Yeah, that that's the next podcast. This. You
0: mean Louisville? <laughs> Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky? <laughs> Um, uh, we got socials for Adam m- he is at Instagram
1: Ogre Battle the right. band is Murder by Death everywhere um, and Twitter and Instagram uh, and yeah that's it so go get some pizza at Pizza Lupo if you're near Louisville
0: yeah. listen, to, listen Murder to Murder, by, Murder death by Death if
1: you're going to drive there even if it takes like 12 hours because you, you'll, you'll have enough music
0: and don't grow a mustache if you don't want to be just compared to people you don't look like. <laughs> you know? Seriously. just All the time. Don't grow a mustache. Well, They're dirty. Don't, don't grow a mustache. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it at this point. I'm committed now. I can't get out of it. Leave it to the professionals. The kids like it. I don't know. <laughs> Alright. Well, thanks to Adam. Thanks to the crew. Listen to Murder by Death. Try to support our program if you can. If you uh, leave a review, I'd like it to be sexually explicit and fun <laughs> talking about, uh, you know, oils and nudity and, and the lust you have for the Brad's words and, <laughs> and what they do to you, you know? Um, I would love that. And, uh, we'll, we'll see you for the next program.